Good morning, Oakwood. So those of you that don't know me, my name's Bruce, and I'm one of the elders here at Oakwood, and I have the pleasure this morning to introduce our speaker. But before that, I just want to know, who brought in the pastries? Who brought those in? I'm starting week nine of the health challenge this morning, and I walk in here, I look around and see, is there any of my accountability team around? They're up here in the front row. And, so I have a feeling it was someone that usually comes to early service, brought all those in, and went home. So, and, and the brownies, that's my wife's nemesis. So if you see her out afterwards, just pull them away from her. Well, thank you all for being here this morning. And I have the pleasure to introduce one of the pastor's friends. He's a member of the Barnabas Ministries with Pastor. So we're looking forward to Wally speaking this morning. He has a great ministry. We're going to learn a lot about it this morning. We're excited to have him here. So, Wally Rose, would you come Denver. on up? Denver. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you very Thank much. You. Well, good morning. It is a pleasure to be here with you this morning. Um, I love your pastor. As Bruce just said, uh, Pastor Don and I were part of a, a ministry together where Doug Schmidt came and brought us into a small group and then began to mentor us. So as your pastor leans into the wisdom that God has given Doug, um, I am doing the same. And so Don and I um, have become uh, fast friends. I always enjoy spending time uh, with your uh, pastor. I met him up at Camp Barakel, and we quickly realized that we have a lot of the same personality traits and foibles. And uh, so it's not always good for us to be together. So I always visit your church when he's not here. I feel bad about that. Um, but, but that's when the Lord sees fit uh, to let me uh, come and visit. I just want to share briefly with you. Uh, he said that I could do this. As, as you can tell, I'm, I'm wearing something that I wouldn't normally wear, um, a red vest. I'm not going to ring a bell and ask for Christmas money from you this morning. Um, actually, I might do that. No, I'm kidding. Um, I am with Reach the Forgotten Jail Ministries. And it used to be... Um, it used to be Forgotten Man Ministries. It's changed its name because we want people to realize that we also minister to women inside of our local um, county jails. Uh, but I am the lead chaplain at both Lapeer County and at St. Clair County Jails. Lapeer County Jail is a jail made up of about 70 people on any given day. Uh, St. Clair County is a jail that's made up of about 400 people on any given day. And I have the privilege of going in and in essence being the jail pastor. Um, and many times that's what I'm, I'm known as. I want you to know that I have a, a robust group of volunteers in both jails and they come in and we get to minister every day of the week and we hold individual Bible studies and we pray with people and we, we have worship services inside um, of our local jails. But here's my goal, is I am primarily an in-the-jail ministry my goal is that we could partner with local churches and when men and women begin to leave the jail, that one of the things that changes in their lives is that they become members of a local church that will disciple them, that will love them, and will see them grow in the Lord. It's my thought and opinion that if the same people pick them up when they are released at midnight on whatever night that is, and nothing changes in their life, that nothing is going to change in their life. And so um, I need to be part of a local church family. I must share this with you. I was driving from Davison this morning, and I was literally excited to come. Um, one of the things I don't enjoy about being um, 
a chaplain is I'm not in my home church very often. And I miss that. I love visiting other churches and seeing other people, but I truly love being in my home church and having people throw their arms around me and say, hey, Wally, how was your week and how have things uh, been? And we need that in our lives. And you know what? I knew on my ride over here, even though I'm not a member, that I was going to experience that. I knew that. And I was excited. And of course, I have friends here um, that I've gone to church with for many years and consider dear friends. But um, I knew that that was going to take place. And would you believe that when I walked in, one of the first questions was, hey, how are you doing? How have things uh, been? And so um, I was just reminded again, even though I knew the importance of a local church. And so thank you, worship team. Thank you for the worship this morning. I um, I was taken to the throne of grace, and I praise the Lord uh, for that. And I look forward to opening the Word of God with you this morning. But I have a short video that I, that I want to show at this time, and it's about the ministry that takes place inside of the jail, just to give you a little insight into what we do um, as volunteers and as those that take the Word of God and take the name of Christ into our local jail. So if you would cue that up. Society does not believe that a person is capable of changing once they have made a mistake. We're taught to every time we get fed up with something, every time something breaks, every time something isn't working, to throw it away and start new. We can't do that with human lives. We can't do that with people that have never known any better. Us chaplains walk in this jail we all, I believe, feel that way, that if we don't have God in front of us, we're going to be running out of here defeated. I go home some nights and I try not to think of the depth of what we do because the pressure is so heavy some days. The depth to it, it's deep. I don't know if I'll ever get to the bottom of it and be able to wrap my head around it. I'm an only child and about 13, 14 years old, my father was shot. And so that's when I kind of took a left turn. I ended up going to prison for 10 years, 2008 to 2018. I enjoy family when, we, when I was around. School, school was my, sort of my break from being abused and growing up in that uh, situation. I had a roof over my head, I had clothes on my body, and I had food in my mouth. Did I have love and affection? No, not really, because my mom was never home. I started hanging around with the wrong people and um, started drinking. And my stepdad beat me up, and I became a major alcoholic at the age of 12 years old. Let's say I spent the majority of my life not liking myself at all, because I couldn't figure out who I was, I couldn't figure out where I fit in. I thought jail was going to be simple. And what I didn't know is how lonely jail can be, even though there's a lot of people in population. Most of them don't know how long they're going to be in here. And in prison, you can work out, you can have a job, you're walking to a mess hall. In jail, you're pretty much confined to a pod. A lot of people come to jail um, as individuals who in the community never had anything to be hopeful for or to be thankful for. Not everybody that comes in here is a bad person. They've done something, they've made a mistake, and they, they come to jail. They need something to hang on to. They need something to reach out to, something that cares for them as much as they feel that they can accept. And I think Reach Forgotten does that. 
So currently in the state, we have over 30 counties that are in Reach the Forgotten. Here in the east, we have 13 counties. Many people drive by the jail. How many of those people actually stop and think, well, I wonder what's, what those people are dealing with or what they're going through right now? When I first came and I heard all the charges that I was looking at, I seen my life flash before my eyes and I didn't like what I seen and I tried to commit suicide. And I hung myself in my cell and the officers here had to cut me down. And the chaplain here had seen me up in the holding cell and he actually come over and he said that my name had come up in his prayer group and that he felt God was talking to him and that he needed to pray for me. And he, he did. And you know, I felt for once that uh, someone seen me, not my problems and my baggage and my scars. We tend to write people off, but God never writes them off. So 2008, I go to the Genesee County Jail and uh, I'm just broken, you know, I'm just tired at this point. I'm like, I gotta do something different. I can't keep repeating this cycle. And, Later on that day or the next day, Reese Forgotten came around and they said, anybody wants to go to church service, you know, put your towel out the window. So I put my towel out the window and I went to church service that day. I don't know what he preached about. I don't remember the message. I just remember at the end when he was done, he said, if anybody wants to be saved, if anybody wants to give their life to Christ, say this prayer, repeat after me. And I said that prayer. And uh, I was broken. It's done. We are primarily an inside this building ministry, but none of us leave this ministry inside this building. Their lives were interrupted severely by the time they spent in here, whether they're guilty or innocent. Their lives have been interrupted. Their family lives have been interrupted. Their income streams have been interrupted. I believe through the volunteers and the connection they make, we're starting to see that turn into a long-term relationship beyond the walls. And, and I believe that's, that's vital. If we're gonna just put up a brick wall and say, that's a convict or whatever terminology you wanna use, they're gonna stay that way. I was afraid to come in. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what will I say to them? And I come in and they're just like me. Myself and a couple other of our associate chaplains were sitting at a, a local diner maybe only eight weeks into being a chaplain here. And a young man walks in, and I see a guy wearing his red vest, and I knew what it was, you know. So he introduced himself as Archie Porter, and he reached into his pocket and pulled out a $20 bill and laid it on the table and said, I want to buy a guy's lunch. And he introduced me to his wife, and she's very lovely, very gracious, but she kept poking at him, and she kept saying, honey, Tell him what you're doing now. Tell him what you're doing now. So here he is, I think only at that point, maybe a year, year and a half out of prison. And he had just um, got appointed as an associate pastor at a local church. I was also a deputy's harvest. So a guy who's been to prison twice, armed robbers, now deputized a deputy in J.C. County Jail and works with Reese the Forgotten. That is the ultimate goal, a life restored. I didn't know anybody, and so under my breath, I just asked the Lord, who should I talk to? And I met an inmate. We started meeting on that day, and we have met almost every week. We've met three days a week. 
I've mentored him. We've cried together. We've laughed together. We have studied God's word together. Like he's like my best friend. And uh, I've never had a best friend that didn't get high. Not only did it save my life, but it's changed everything. I just see the world through different eyes now. Talking to Ben, you know, talking to Vern, talking to Doc, the chaplains here in the jail, they showed me that Christ is the way. It's just different now. I was embarrassed and ashamed of the choices that I've made, but now I'm, I'm at peace with it, and I understand it, and I know that I am worth that second chance. I found God in my life again, where I really thought he abandoned me. I remind these guys and gals that their name in God's book is Beloved. For me to be called by God to do a ministry, I feel so unworthy to ask anybody for anything. And so for your people to support and donate to this ministry, you are as much a part of this as I am. If we're going to change and impact people for the gospel, for the kingdom, we have to love those people the way that Jesus loves them. If that's what we focus on, we have an opportunity to do something that will bring about a revival. I showed that because Pastor Don said that I could, I could recruit from Oakwood. Um, we are 17 miles in Lapeer County Jail up the road, and I do have a robust amount of, of volunteers that come into our jail, but I'm always looking for more. It is a ripe mission field. Let me just share a little bit with you, and then we'll look into Scripture this morning. I had thought that the main ministry would be I would present the gospel. I would have an opportunity like this to maybe preach and speak and, and tell them about Jesus. And of course, I have that opportunity. But what I've been taken back by is I haven't seen many. We've seen, we've seen several, but I haven't seen many put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I, so I'm beginning to talk with men primarily and ask them. And what I have found is many of them claim who have already met Jesus and put their faith in Him. They didn't walk with Him. They weren't discipled. They've made bad decisions. They loved sin more than they loved Christ. And so they ended up in the county jail. And so we have the opportunity then to pick up the pieces, to develop a relationship, to take the Bible, and to walk them through. Most of my ministry is one-on-one -on -one, uh, with another man. Uh, our church had a discipleship ministry. It's about it's 16 lessons, and so I'll take somebody through that. The, the taller fellow that I was walking down the hall with, his name is Nathan, and he went through all 16 weeks of that. As a matter of fact, Nathan is the only one on our display table out there. Uh, we have a Bible study series, and I brought like six books, and there's about 30 books in that Legacy Bible Study series, and Nathan's the only one in our jail that's ever gone through the whole thing, and he did that primarily because he was in the jail for about two years. Um, you're only supposed to stay normally for 365 days, but COVID changed that, and when you're in jail, I didn't know this, so I'll share it with you. 
you don't know what you don't know. Um, they're waiting to be sentenced or to be released to go home after they serve their sentence. If your sentence is less than a year, you can serve it inside the county jail. But they are waiting to be sentenced for whatever their crime was. And a lot of times that waiting is, is mind-numbing. In jail, you don't walk to a dining hall. In jail, you don't go somewhere to work out. In jail, you don't get access to the outside to see the sky, to see the sun, to see uh, the clouds. In jail, you are, you are in a pod with, in, in Lapeer's case, 16 to 20 other men, and it is about a third of the size of this auditorium, and that's, that's all the movement you're going to get. And you're waiting for your lawyer to communicate with you. And your lawyer is usually a public defender who has 75 other people that they're working with. And so the communication is not rich. It's not not big time going on in there. And so they don't know what they don't know. And it is a brutal way to pass time. And so here come people with red vests who begin to share with them the love of God and the message of Jesus Christ. And, and um, we, it's, just, it's been amazing. I wouldn't have known that. Uh, if I had time and I don't, I would share with you ministry that we've been able to have um, as well with, with uh, deputies. I didn't realize that when we went in to see inmates that, that deputies would need to be ministered to as well and that they work in a tough environment and that they put their pants on one leg at a time every day and they deal with the same things that everybody else does. And oh, by the way, they go to a pretty dark place uh, to work. And so we've seen the Lord work uh, mightily there as well. So um, my last, I'll call it a pitch and don't judge me for that, is this. Our, our website is jailministry.org jailministry.org I would love to see five, ten volunteers from this church we don't leave you high and dry you will get some online training which is free, I will give you a tour of the jail, you will get background checked by the jail so know that beforehand and then we can plug you in and you can come as your schedule sees fit and you can minister and I'll give you materials and those things. As a matter of fact, uh, one of your own is about to start a Celebrate Recovery inside of our jail in two weeks. So please pray for that if you would. Okay, take your Bibles this morning and go to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, a fascinating portion of Scripture. It has occurred to me as I was studying, I didn't want to come with a rope message and and, and not that those are bad. When I present the ministry or preach in other churches, I, I can preach the same message because nobody knows. It's a different church. Well, uh, this week, I just I wanted, I wanted the Lord to, to move in my life and, and, and for some freshness and some newness. And so I've been reading in Matthew, and my attention was drawn to, to Jesus' really his, his last discourse or last message before he went to the cross. It's, it's called the Olivet Discourse, and I want to look at uh, chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Follow along as I read, if you would. The Bible says this, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people from... Uh, one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. 
and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me and these will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life it would be somewhat cheap on my part if if for the only reason i chose this passage was because I was in prison and you visited me. But I'll just be point blank. That's, that's what arrested my attention to begin with. Hey, I'm going to go to Oakwood and I'm going to share with them about the jail ministry. And, and man, this fits. But as I began to unpack this and begin to look into this, it was, it was amazing. Um, the Lord here speaking and he, he starts right off by calling himself the Son of Man. And that was the favorite title that Jesus gave himself in the Gospels. And it's a humble title. Um, but we see just a few verses later that Jesus will be sitting on his glorious throne and he is the King. So we have before us a passage of Scripture. It's not a parable. It uses parabolic language, sheep and goats. But this is a true story. Jesus is, is teaching his disciples and that's specifically who he He's teaching here uh, those those men that were chosen to follow him. He is teaching them, and they asked him at the beginning of this um, portion of scripture in chapter twenty four, Lord, what are the signs of the coming of the age? And Jesus goes through this discourse and, and this talk and this teaching with them, and he tells them uh, what are the signs of the coming of the age. And then he gets to here and he says, Hey, there will be judgment someday. I will, as the King of the world, separate all the nations. And of course, we know nations are made up of people, so I will bring all the people together and I will put the goats on my left and I will put the sheep on my right and if we read this story it seems a little problematic or at least it did to me as I was going through it Jesus says man uh, when I was needful you helped me you did it to the least of one of these and so you did it to me and so sheep you get to enter into to God's kingdom that's been prepared for you but you you goats on this side you didn't give money to the poor you didn't give a glass of water in my name to a child who was thirsty you didn't come visit the sick you you didn't visit people in prison and so uh, because you didn't um, you will go into eternal uh, damnation eternal judgment and man as I'm reading that I'm like hey this this story is not jiving with with my theology so I had to go back to my Bible college days doesn't that make you feel warm and fuzzy 
I had to go back to my Bible college days. And this is what we know from hermeneutics or the science of interpreting Scripture is this, that we never form a theology from drawing one passage of Scripture by itself and putting our finger on that and saying, this is what I believe and this is my theology. Now, we can do that in certain areas. But what we do is we, we draw back from that portion of Scripture and we compare it with the totality of Scripture. We take the Bible and compare it with the Bible. So in this story, Jesus, it seems as though you're teaching us, man, if I'm just, if I am, if I'm concerned with the social gospel, if I will take care of the needs of those who are needy, then man, I get to go into heaven. And, and here's what I learned, and here's what I'm teaching this morning, and here's what I think the Word of God is telling us, that this passage is not concerned with the root of salvation as much as it is in this instance with the fruit of salvation. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, and we here at Oakwood Community Church, we are knitted together by the fact that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for our sins, who rose again. Amen? Amen. And if we believe that, the Bible here, Jesus is teaching his disciples, that will change us. That will fundamentally make us different. That will make us view people differently than maybe sometimes we view people. If Jesus Christ has, has come in and the Holy Spirit resides inside of you, we will be new creatures according to the Word of God. And part of that new creature is we're going to give deference to people we might not agree with. We're going to take care of people that, man, maybe we would just pass them by ordinarily and normally. But now we're going to see them as created in God's image. And now the spirit inside of us is going to compel us to love them and to treat them kindly and to give unto them just as is giving unto the Lord. But one of the things that caught my attention in this story was this. It was going to be, it was going to be really easy for me to tie this into... Um, into jail ministry. And man, uh, we need to do this. Now, the fact is, we don't all need to do jail ministry. Not all of you in this room are cut out to do, do jail ministry. And I don't mean that, I don't mean that as a slap. You will be better in another ministry than I ever could be used in that ministry. Not everybody's cut out, but um, God's called me to that. And so I come and invite some of you that are called into that. But one of the things that drew my attention, you guys, I don't know what I did with my notes. I literally don't have my notes. Um, that will not surprise my friends that are in the building. Um, but I, I don't know. So, yeah, I'm going to. Amen. Um, but, I, but I need to find the verse, and I would have had it here. Uh, da, 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 da. I was in prison. Oh, there it is. Verse 40. And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, listen to this, I never caught this before, my brothers, you did it to me. Okay, two groups that I want to talk about this morning from this passage of Scripture. Now, there's many names. Some are the commended and some call them the condemned. There are two groups in this. Jesus says, um, when you did it to the least of one of these, listen to this phrase, my brothers. Okay, so primarily what Jesus is teaching here is we are to treat brothers and sisters in the body of Christ just like that verse says. Hungry, we feed a brother or a sister. 
Thirsty, we give a brother or sister something to drink. Need clothing, we give a brother or sister what they need. Uh, Jesus is talking about inside. He says, my brothers. It's a Greek word and it's, it's really the body of Christ. It's the followers of Jesus. It's not Jews he's talking about there. It, it's, it's Christians. And he says, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers. Now that's a radical thought, right? Doesn't the word of God in John chapter 13 say that they will know us by our love for one another? Shouldn't Christians be marked with, with an otherworldly love for each other? I got quiet. But isn't that an earmark of, of a believer of Jesus Christ? Man, we actually care for the body of Christ. When there is a need, if the Holy Spirit moves, we will go and we will meet that need as he has provided for us to meet. Now, this is, this is speaking of the body. This is speaking of brothers and sisters in Christ. This is, this is the idea that kind of took me this morning. Two thoughts from this passage. We Christians should be drawn to show mercy to other Christians because we see in them the image of Christ. And then over here, we Christians should, be brought, uh, should show mercy to those who aren't brothers and sisters in Christ because we want to see Jesus formed in them. Can you, can you get along with that? Over here, Jesus is saying, hey, you did it unto one of the least of these, my brothers. You did it to the body of Christ. And that is what he is teaching inside of this passage of Scripture. Now, let's pause for a moment. I am going... <laughs> Uh, please laugh at this. My wife just texted me and said, I have your notes on the table. Here they are. <laughs> That's fantastic. I wonder if she's watching. <laughs> so clearly I feel at home with you guys, okay? Oh, but I can't read. I couldn't read that on a bet. So that's okay. All right, let's bring it back together here. So, back in our portion of Scripture, we see, number one, Jesus is coming again, and he will judge, okay? So Jesus is coming again. I want to encourage you with those words. Praise God in this crazy world that we live in, Jesus is coming again, amen? amen. Okay, um, so praise the Lord for that. Now, he does teach there will be judgment when he comes. Now, this judgment that's being referred to here is not the judgment of the saved or the unsaved. He's, uh, at least in the case of taking care of the body of Christ, he's saying, listen, um, those of you who, who gave and did these things for my people, um, you are on the right-hand side and you are commended and you may come in. I want to see um, the, my love flow through you uh, to that group. But I just said there, there seems to be a, a conundrum or a problem. Like, if we just take this passage at face value, it seems as though Jesus is saying, hey, listen, if you do good deeds, you'll be on the right-hand side and you'll be considered a sheep. And so let's just pause for a moment and compare Scripture with Scripture. Let's go all the way back. Genesis chapter 15. God dealing with Abram, and I believe Abraham at this time. And you remember God promised Abram that he would give him a son, Isaac, and that the promised Messiah, uh, the nation of Israel, would come through the seed of, of Isaac. And um, in that passage, somewhere about verse 6, verse 7, uh, we have this portion of Scripture for us. It says this, 
that Abraham believed in the Lord and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. So how was righteousness accounted to Abraham? Was it by works or was it by belief? It was by belief. We even can double down on that. Two chapters later is when God instituted circumcision as the outward sign that that the Jews were God's people. And so here we have faith in chapter 15, even before works in chapter 17. How about in the book of Exodus, um, about chapter 12 or 11, um, somewhere in there, and the last sign uh, when God is about to free the nation of Israel from the people uh, uh, of Egypt, and it's the Passover, and uh, Moses tells the people, listen, you, each family and each, all the people that are in this house, you must take a spotless lamb um, without blemish and you must uh, kill that lamb and you must take the blood and put it on the doorpost and over top of the door. And when the death angel sees that, he will pass over you because you are covered uh, by the blood and by faith they did what Moses told them to do and their firstborns were all uh, saved. They, none of them perished, but those in the land of Egypt, uh, they were perished. Romans 5.8, but God showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. And it's not of works. Why? Because then we would be able to boast about it. So the Bible doubles down, triple down, quadruple down the fact that we aren't saved by our works, but once we have put our faith and trust in Jesus and once he has made us a new creature, our works will be different and we will have works. We will have fruit and Jesus is dealing with that in this passage. And in this passage, he's primarily dealing with this. You will have fruit towards one another. How do you feel towards the body of Christ today? And by the body of Christ, I mean the local body right here. How do you feel towards your brothers and your sisters? Jesus said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And that's pretty... That's pretty out there thinking, but what about the other group? The other group being those who aren't brothers and sisters in Christ. We Christians should be drawn to show mercy to those who aren't Christians. Galatians 6.10 says this, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let us do good to to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, I got to tell you, this is practical. And, and, and I'm tired. I'm going to sit down for a minute. I'm on, I'm on uh, heart medications, and sometimes I get lightheaded. Instead of fainting on you, I think I'll just sit down for a minute. Um, and I think you'll appreciate that. Plus, it's hot up here. Is this tanning lamps, or what is this? <laughs> um, so, Jesus not in this passage, but in another passage, uh, we switch gears. But here Paul says this, that we're, we're to do good. So there's to be a practicality, you guys, of our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I love studying theology. I'm not a theologian by any stretch, but I love studying theology. I love to know the major doctrines of Hamar theology and, and of theology proper and of those things. And, and I love to get into discussions in those and, and, and learn what I don't know and things of that nature. Um, but Jesus didn't save us so that we could have a head full of knowledge. He primarily saved us so that we could live our lives as imitators of Jesus Christ and of those that make it, thank you, 
Pastor Ben, you're a wonderful servant. Thank you. So I must be looking really bad up here if he's got to bring me water. <laughs> I'm going to ask you. Take your Bibles. Um, just turn them if you got them or switch over on your app to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Jesus, in the passage that I just covered, he says this radical thing. You loved those that are my brothers and sisters. And as a result of that, um, you're on the right hand and you are commended. Uh, But then he teaches in Luke chapter 6, look at verse 27. And the heading in my Bible here says, Love your enemies. Jesus speaking again, he says this, But I say to you who, who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Hmm. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those uh, from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. But merciful, even, or be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Jesus taught in that first passage in the Olivet Discourse, love brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is radical. Why? Because even in, inside of this church building, we don't all think the same. Oh, we're pretty square on who Jesus Christ is. He's the Son of Man. He's God in the flesh. Uh, he died on the cross as our, as our atonement for sin. And He rose again the third day. And He has a high priestly ministry now. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. And He's our interceder. And He's our advocate. Hey, we're square on that. He was uh, born of a virgin. I mean, just a miraculous birth and all these different things. We're in agreement on Jesus. But man, let's start talking about politics. Let's not. But... Let's start talking about the Lions or your favorite football team. Let's start talking about Michigan and Michigan State. Go blue. Amen. Let's, sorry, sorry. Go green. All right, all right, we covered it all. Okay. Um, see, right there. Thank you, Pastor Ben. That wasn't even planned. Um, bam. We, we have these differences. And sometimes we have differences inside the body of Christ, even though that Jesus Christ is the common tie that bonds, uh, binds us together. Man, I'm not going to go walk the hall with that Sparty. Or I'm not going to go, um, you know, can a Democrat? No, I'm not even going to go there. Um, um, no, I'm not. But that's the point. Jesus says, man, by helping those people that even if they're brothers and sisters in Christ that you don't philosophically agree with on everything, that is the, that's a huge difference in your life. And that is the fruit of a changed heart from Jesus Christ and having a relationship with him. But then Jesus says, okay, um, I've covered that. Let me take you over here to Luke. How about loving those that hate you? I mean... The church, is we love the ones who love us. But he says, how about loving the ones that hate you? 
How about giving to those that despise fully? Man, I was driving yesterday with my wife. We were coming back. We were on I-69. We were coming towards Davison, um, heading east. And it was, it was center road. And this guy in a F-250, it's always a truck driver, F-250, I've driven trucks for years. Um, he gets on. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, the speed limit there is 70, and I was doing closer to 80 than I was 70. Just confession. I'm telling you guys that. And this guy, no joke, it's a long on-ramp right there, and it's straight. And he sped up to exactly what I was doing and drove beside me. And my wife, and I'm like, I'm like Jenny, and, I got a, and, I got an, and I'm doing 78-ish, okay? And I got a car in the middle lane coming up doing like 85, about ready to pass me, so I really can't even get over. And I'm like, Jenny, wh- what am I supposed to do here? And I just kept it at 78, and this guy hit his brakes, comes in right behind me, pulls over beside me, gets beside me, and then stares me down like I'm an idiot. And I could have beat him up because he was like 20 years older than me. <laughs> I probably still couldn't have beat him up. That's not the point. Um, but I'm, I'm looking at Jenny, and I'm like, I, I don't even know what I was supposed to do differently there. Like, I just maintain my pace, and he's supposed to merge in, and, and what could I do differently? Here's what Jesus is saying. Because of what Jesus Christ did for you and I on the cross, I love that guy. Is that natural? Can I just do that if I just, I mean... I don't even have it within me just to decide to do that. If that, if that guy's really hurt my feelings and really under my, my, my craw, really, I'm ugh, not going to love you. But Christ in me, the hope of glory, makes that possible. Jesus is teaching, I am coming back again. And there should be fruit in your life. And that fruit is this, that we have slowed down and taken time to minister unto one another, first and foremost in this place. That's why I read Galatians 6.10. Paul doubled down. We should do good to everybody, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. We should start loving one another right now. Now listen, I don't, I don't mean like willpower and pick yourself up by your bootstraps and you try really hard to love. I suspect on some level that's a good thing. But here's what Jesus is talking about. You do that because you have been changed from the inside out because of the presence of Jesus in your life. How do, how do we, how does that take place? We walk with Jesus. I listened to several preachers preach this passage of Scripture this week. And one of the illustrations I take, it's, it's not crass, it's not something I would normally use, but it, it, it actually like resonated with me. Um, this was a preacher, he was preaching at Wheaton College, and he was talking about the testimony of his pastor. And he said his pastor preached this and, and said this at a gathering of about 13,000 people. And his pastor gave his testimony. He says, you know, when I met Jesus and I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I used to curse at the drop of a hat. And he said, let me tell you what's happened since I've met Jesus. And the preacher said this, I don't curse nearly that fast anymore. (laughs) Thank you. I didn't know how that was going to go, so thank you. But that's how I took it. Like, you know what? 
We're not perfect and there is a change going on. And even though Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you will love in a supernatural way that could only come from me. You guys, that doesn't mean that we don't still deal with that sin that that beckons us. And that doesn't mean that we still don't have those things that that, that claw at us. And there's not still a a, a Satan as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. That stuff is all still in there. But I think the primary point of this passage is this. Check yourself. We need to check ourselves. There are verifiable ways to know that we are truly in the faith. And one of those verifiable ways is this, that we will love one another with a love that only comes from heaven. And then Jesus makes it more radical in that other passage where he says this, and if I abide in you, you will love those who are unlovable. Now, are you earmarked by love? Remember 1 John chapter 4? God is love. John chapter 13. They will know us by our love for one another. So I'm the chaplain at one of our local jails. I get to go into a pretty unloving place and show the love of Jesus. I'll give you this story and then I'll pray and we'll be done. When I first started, I've been there for about two years now. When I first started, I was taking, um, uh, I have a monthly stipend for each jail that I'm in. And nobody told me what I could spend that money on. And so I was buying deodorant and soap and shampoo and toothbrushes and toothpastes. Toothpastes, as I said that. And um, I'm glad my wife's not here for that. And, and I was giving them to the uh, indigent uh, inmates, those who, they didn't have family. They don't have any money in their account. Nobody's going to put money in their account. They have no way to earn money. And so I would give them those things. And you didn't have to come to church. Um, I, I wasn't doing it as a barter system. Man, if you had a need, I was just going to provide that need for you. And um, one of the, I mean, I mean this respectfully. I don't know what else to call them. Um, one of the, I'm going to say bean counters from my home base. I don't know, accountant maybe. Um, If you are that, praise God for you. Um, But um, she wrote an email to me and to the person that I directly um, answered to. And she's like, hey, potentially, because of the amount of money that, that Chaplain Wally is spending each month, potentially he is being used by inmates. Duh! I mean... That's what I signed up for on some level. I signed up to get used by inmates. And my response was, of course I know that I'm being used by inmates. But I'm willing to be used for the glory of God and for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ to see lives changed. And I praise God for that because that's not a normal response for me. That has to be Christ in me. And you guys, sometimes we're going to get used. And sometimes we're going to get abused. And sometimes we're going to be mistreated. And sometimes we're going to be misunderstood. And sometimes it's going to be by those inside of the body. And most of the time it's going to be by those others. But Jesus Christ says this, love them anyway. And if you can't do that, you walk with me and I will enable you by my power to love people that are unlovable. Let me ask you this. When Jesus Christ was on the cross, were you lovable? Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for Oakwood. I thank you for this body of believers. What a great crowd. Pastor's not here. It's spring break. And yet these people came to worship and to hear from the word of God. You are to be glorified. And and Father, glory to your name for those results.
Father, I pray that you would take the, that was a shotgun scattered thing today, but Lord, we looked into the word of God and I pray that you would use it in each one of our hearts, that we would remember that we're not just to have a merciful, dynamic love for the body of Christ, but uh, Father, Christ in us enables us to do that for those outside for those who have a different political position than me, those who look different than I do, those who like things different than I do, those who are mean and oppose themselves, you still called us to love them. Father, may we do that. Lord, help us to remember that Jesus will come back. And Father, as we glory in that and as we celebrate that, help us to remember, um, Father, uh, that we will be judged. We will be judged by the fruit of what we have done with the root of Jesus Christ in us. And I pray that you would help each of us to recognize the brevity of life, that it's but a vapor. Father, you've given each one of us talent. Some of us don't think that in this room, but Father, you have promised that you've given everybody at least a talent, a gift to serve the local community, to serve the church. And Father, sometimes that can go outside of the walls of this place. I pray that you would help us to serve in the gifts that you have given us and Father to walk with you in such a way that displays your glory in each one of our lives and points people to Jesus. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would, would you thank Pastor Wally with me? Well, I can't think of a better message to prepare our hearts as we head into the Easter season. Uh, so I would encourage you guys, Pastor Wally will be in the lobby. Uh, if God put it on your heart this morning that you, maybe you want to work with him or volunteer with his ministry, I would just encourage you to talk with him, uh, speak with him, and see what his needs are and the way that we as a church can support him. I gave you two assessments or two uh, goals at the end of church today. Does anybody remember them? prayer wall. Cards and prayer wall. My friends, Easter is coming up, and I cannot tell you what a beautiful gift it would be for someone to tell them about Jesus. Grab one of these cards. Make sure you give it to somebody who needs it. Uh, And if you wouldn't mind, just uh, thank Pastor Wally as you leave today. Um, Let's, uh, if you would, stand. I'll say a quick prayer, and you will be dismissed. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity that we had to just come to Scripture this morning uh, as we celebrate your Son in this next Easter season. We just invite you into this place, invite you into this church, I invite you into the local jails, Father. Uh, so, Father, as we go out this week, we just ask you to put someone on our heart, someone who needs to hear the message of Jesus. Father, thank you for Wally and his message for us. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next week.